Hey, what's going on, Rooftop Nation? A couple of days ago, I went up to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina, just outside Fort Bragg, where I spent 10 years of my adult life as a U.S. Army Green Beret and 7th Special Forces Group. And the reason I went up this time, almost a decade after I retired from U.S. Army Special Forces, was to screen a film that was derived from a play I wrote several years ago called Last Out, Elegy of a Green Beret. And we turned this play into a film after an onset of a year plus of COVID, pandemic, a year of division in the country, because I felt like the story about modern war that is seldom told in a voice that's never been heard by the men and women who had lived it, myself and a few other combat veteran and military family member actors, I knew that the way it had resonated across the country when we performed it in 16 cities for over 5,000 people, I knew that the nation needed to hear it right now. We needed to inform civilians on the cost of war, validate the journey to our warriors, our military families, and certainly the sacrifice of our Gold Star families at this Memorial Day as I film this. But I will tell you something. When we rolled into the Cameo Theater and the, and the, and the, and the uh, attendees filled in the room, I can't tell you how nervous I was. And, and I mean beyond nervous. I started feeling like I didn't want to be there. I started feeling like I needed to find, find ways to cancel the film, uh, to disappear, to go in the bathroom stall and just wait until it was over. I started looking for ways to sabotage my own work. Not days, not weeks, years of work that I just wanted to sabotage. Because frankly, I didn't feel like I needed to be there. I felt like I was an imposter. Who the hell was I to show this film? And the reason was very simple. The men, women, and children that were sitting in this theater were Gold Star family members. They were the family members of fallen warriors who had died in battle for the United States of America. And now they had come to bear witness to this film, this story about modern war, about healing, about letting go. And I sat there and I thought, oh my goodness, what if, I, what if this film harms one of them? What if, it, what if it causes them to be triggered or experience some kind of traumatic memory? I mean, I would never get over that. And all of these things started coming into my head, all this self-sabotage. Who the hell am I to put a film out like this anyway? I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not a, a writer. I'm not an actor. And then I took a breath and I started to apply the resilience techniques that I've learned over the years at Rooftop that I've developed over the years. I started doing deep belly breaths. I started feeling my feet on the floor, started to notice three new things. I got up, I moved around, and I just stayed in the game because that's resilience in real time. What I was experiencing was what Stephen Pressfield, best-selling New York Times author, calls resistance. And that's the self-sabotage, the negative energy we feel between where we are and the big goals, the big higher purpose that we're trying to serve in our life. For every amount of good energy we have in us, there is negative energy in us. And that's why the subject of this vlog is resilience over resistance. In this time of churn, in this time of volatility, uncertainty, crowdedness, complexity, and ambiguity, in this time of distraction, disengagement, and distrust, and of course resistance, we have to find a way to be resilient. We have to find a way to stay in the game and lead differently. And that film was everything for me. It was a multi-year project. And so I hung in there 
And once the film was over, I walked in front of those gold stars and I saw the tears on their faces. I saw a young gold star daughter who I'll call Carol say to me, you know, this helped me understand why my dad did what he did and why his sacrifice was worth it. I mean, you can't put a price on that at all, ever. And had I bailed on that, they would have been deprived of that story, that story of healing and validation and connection. And that's what makes it all worth it to keep resilience over resistance. So what about you? What about your life? When are you trying to pull back? Where are the voices in your head, the snakes in your head, the head chatter? Where is it starting to get between you and your higher goals? Right? This is something that we've got to, even when we get knocked down, we have to find a way to get back up. That's what leadership is. Leadership is not getting knocked down. We get knocked down every day. It's dusting ourselves up, off, and repurposing those scars, those struggles in the service of others. I have a system that I call R4, and I wanna share it with you very quickly. It's four basic R's that you can do whenever you get knocked down to get back up and get in the game. First of all is regimen. Jocko Willink is absolutely right when he says discipline equals freedom. The more regimented you are in your day when risk is low, the more high performing you'll be when risk is high. It's what you do in the darkness, according to Michael Phelps, that determines what you do in the sunlight. The second R is ritual. You know, in that regimen that you do, we need rituals. These are the sacred things that we do every day to train our instrument, our body, our voice, our mind, and our craft to make better connections. Resilience needs rituals, whether that's working out, doing lower body breaths, going for a walk, doing meditation, mindfulness, anything that you can do to address mind, body, and spirit and treat it as sacred and do it every single day is a ritual. And that's gonna enhance your regimen and how you show up in the high stakes moments. And it's not the sexy stuff, but it's what you must do to perform the long game. The third R is rigor. This is the attitude that informs your R4. This is the attitude that informs your resilience. It can't be casual, right? You can't be on the Stairmaster, just kinda, you know, watching Oprah or whatever. Maybe that's just me. You have to be committed to the work that you're gonna do. I call it deep work. You have to show up and have a relationship to practice, a relationship to your rituals that's deeper than the actual performance itself. The fourth R is recovery. This is the thing that almost no leaders do, almost no parents do, no teachers, no CEOs. We run and we grind and we grind and we run. And in the face of this pandemic, I see all kinds of leaders who are ready to go down. It almost happened to me after two decades in special ops. We have to practice recovery. We have to practice self-care. It looks like this, micro recoveries, where at certain times during the day, you turn the lights off in the office, you do some deep, deli, deep belly breaths. You go outside, you go for a walk. You just unplug from your phone. That's a micro recovery, a reset. Do pre-engagement preparation. Three lower body breaths, three I have times, and three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What do they need from me? So those little micro recoveries really work well. And finally, macro recoveries, scheduling long weekends, vacations, even in the face of a crisis, if you don't do that, if you don't do those resets, take the time to sharpen the saw, you're gonna go down. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Those four R's right there, what I call R4, regimen, ritual, rigor, and recovery are the most impactful things you can do, but you have to do them day to day you have to attack them every day. It has to be part of your battle rhythm 
and then you will be able to demonstrate resilience over resistance. Thanks for what you do, and I'll see you on the rooftop.